credit scores, down payments, interest rates. Car buying can be a numbers game, but you don't have to be a math expert to get the keys to your dream car. Just use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. Crunch your numbers and get personalized results so you know exactly how much you'll pay each month for your car. It's like having a magic wand for your wallet. Presto! The car you've been wanting is now within reach. So hit the road and leave your calculator at home. Auto Trader. Hey, and welcome to the podcast, the short podcast. It's just the... the ca- <laughs> <laughs> I still look forward to those intros. Well, I'm sorry to let you down every time. <laughs> You'll never learn, will you, Chill? No, I think it's great. I enjoy them. Uh, well, good. I'm glad one of us does. <laughs> so, um, we are talking today about Buddhism, which is an extraordinarily complex, nuanced, layered world religion, mm-hmm. one of the big seven at least. Um, <laughs> and there's going to be a lot of stuff we're not going to talk about. There's going to be terms that we don't necessarily bring into it. The point is, everybody, it's not wrong, okay? <laughs> We're talking about a major religion on a short stuff episode that's supposed to be 15 minutes or less. So just go into it giving us a break. Yeah, because this is not about Buddhism as a whole. Uh, this is about – because we've, we've talked about it here and there. I believe we did one on Nirvana. Yep. Correct? Yeah. Um, so we, we know a little bit about it and karma, right? Yeah, we did that one too. We've danced around Buddhism. Which is a B from what I understand. <laughs> but specifically, this is about – a uh, a bit of a tchotchke. This is about the little happy, jolly, chubby, usually shirtless, laughing Buddha. Mm-hmm. He looks like Rick Ross. That you see, <laughs> kind of does. <laughs> that you see, and uh, you know, if you go to Chinatown and go to a, a little tourist trap shop there, you might see these. You might see him uh, at a uh, Asian restaurant by the cash register. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're Chuck, you might have seen one on his desk for many years. Oh, yeah, you do have that one. Yeah, that had, someone gave it to me years and years and years ago, a little bank. And uh, I, I don't know, he's just got a happy little face, so I liked it. He definitely does, and he's just smiling. You can't even see his eyeballs. He's smiling so much. And everybody knows that that's the laughing Buddha. But here's the thing. That's not Buddha. Nope. Not technically Buddha. In a, in the very Buddhist way, yes, he counts as Buddha in some way, shape, or form. And we'll kind of explain that. But when you're talking about Buddha, when most people who are not Buddhists point to that and say, oh, that's Buddha, you're wrong. That's not Buddha that you're thinking. There is one Buddha who is the Buddha, the teaching Buddha for our era that we live in right now. Capital T-H-E Buddha. Exactly. And not just capitalized, Chuck, italicized as well. <laughs> so the Buddha, his he was an actual man who lived in the 8th century in India, and his name was Siddhartha Gautama. And he became a, he was actually born a, um, a wealthy prince, had a great wife, had a kid, was just living the life, but found that he was still unsatisfied, unfulfilled. He wanted to know what the meaning of life was. So he went on basically a vision quest and figured it out and achieved nirvana. And in doing so, he became the uh, the Buddha. And I believe his name changed to, um, oh, what is his name? Oh, Shakyamuni. So he went from Siddhartha Gautama, the man, mm-hmm. the prince, to Shakyamuni Buddha, the teaching Buddha of our age, the Buddha. That's right. Uh, Buddha means awakened one. 
And like you said, during this vision quest, he uh, meditated for 49 days Mm -hmm. under a Bodhi tree. And I imagine that was a wonderful, peaceful experience. Dude, I'll bet his legs had such pins and needles at the end of it. (laughs) Came out the other side uh, enlightened. And this religion has since grown, of course, to the point where, I mean, they're they're approaching like 400 million uh, followers at this point, right? Somewhere yeah, in there? which is pretty respectable. Yes, very much so. For sure. It's got more than mine does. Uh, <laughs> how many? Uh, just me. Just you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I usually keep it secret. Yumi's still like, give me a pamphlet and I'll, I'll take a look at it. She's thinking about it. <laughs> I'm working on her. So, uh... Over the years, Buddhism has really expanded uh, to to the point where there's just not uh, Gautama Buddha. Is that the pr- pronunciation you used? Yeah, Gautama is everything I saw. Yeah, Gautama Buddha, uh, to where there are many, many, many uh, deities, including a bunch of uh, bodhisattvas. Yeah? Yeah. Which, by the way, I was like, oh, yeah, Steely Dan, and ended up listening to every major dude because I saw that word in print. Oh, man. <laughs> Love me some Steely Dan. It's good stuff. So uh, these are it's, it's sort of a term for these uh, individuals who work for enlightenment for everyone. Yeah, I was like, okay, so but what is it really? And it depends on who you ask. So if you're a practicing Buddha Buddhist who has really dedicated yourself to living the Buddhist life, to following the Buddhist path, you are technically a bodhisattva. But in certain traditions, like the one that's practiced largely in Japan and Korea and China, mm-hmm. a bodhisattva is actually somebody who's living, walking the earth, yeah. who is is so Buddhist that they could achieve nirvana. They're actually putting off achieving nirvana so they can stay here on earth to make it a better place. Wow. Which makes them like, Mr. Rogers would have been a bodhisattva, basically. Yeah. So, there's there's... Bodhisattvas, mm-hmm. there's the Buddha, but then there's also some traditions that say, um, you, well, you realize the Buddha's been born and reborn and reborn multiple times. So this, this um, the um, Gautama was just the most recent in a line of 28 so far. Apparently, every time the world gets destroyed, the Buddha is reborn. Um, and right now, in this incarnation of the world, uh, Gautama was the became the the teaching Buddha of our age, and then those those reincarnated versions of the Buddha are called avatars. Yes. So you've got all of them being revered as deities as well. So it, it's kind of understandable how you could say, well, that that guy technically qualifies as the laughing Buddha, but he's actually another individual, another historical figure, from what we understand. That's right, and you know what? That's a great place for a little quick break. And we're going to come back and reveal who the Laughing Buddha is once and for all right after this. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode 
of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, was we'll it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so you said that the Laughing Buddha was one of these avatars, a real human <laughs> being uh-huh. who walked the earth uh, in 10th century, 10th, 10th? I, I like tith, like you just said. It weirdly sounded like when I didn't have teeth up front. It did, but they're all there, Chuck, and they're looking sharp. <laughs> uh, 10th century Chinese monk whose name was uh, not Buddha, but Budai. Okay, so that was his nickname. His real name was Chizu. Yeah. I think that was my attempt at it. <laughs> so uh, Budai is spelled B-U-D-A-I. Uh-huh. And he's he's this guy that you see. He was pot-bellied. He was happy and gregarious. Uh, he would go around from village to village with uh, sort of like Santa Claus with a big sack over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, his very name means cloth sack in Chinese. Yep. And he was a very beloved figure. Uh, he helped the poor. Children loved him. He would give out sweet treats and rice and uh, was generally – like what you would imagine that 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 character is, except it was a real human, right? So it's um, a weird way to say that, <laughs> right? But he he because of this this sack um, of like goodies that he would give to children and the poor, uh, and like you said, he was very Santa Claus like. He started to become kind of associated as a uh, a Buddha that represented like abundance and plenty and contentment and fulfillment. Um, Kind of materially, but not necessarily, but in a very Buddhist way. And so the the Laughing Buddha just became a very lovable, well-liked figure. Like, he was just the kind of Buddha or Buddhist avatar that anybody could get into. That's right. But the thing that really kind of cemented his position in the pantheon of Buddhist deities was that he basically was a self-proclaimed incarnation of Buddha. Yeah, he left a he wrote a poem on his deathbed in, in which he said basically like hey guys just want to let you know the truth I'm actually the incarnation of the next teaching buddha remember we live in a certain era right now yeah and uh, shakyamuni is the teaching buddha well the next time the world destroys itself after it's reborn the incarnation of the buddha that I am maitreya is going to come back and then that Buddha will be the teaching Buddha for the next era. I was just coming by to say, what up, y'all? Um, have some stuff out of my 
goody sack. Yeah, and, and just call me future Buddha. Right. So they did. So that, that cemented Budai's position in the pantheon of deities. But the reason why you see um, Budai next to a cash register is because over time, he became associated with restaurants and bartenders. Yeah, which is really, uh, really interesting. And the only thing that sort of makes sense is, and, you know, people have researched this, but uh, it, it became this imagery of this particular future Buddha became very popular in art and sculpture. And this started kind of cropping up in about the 15th century. Right. And then global trade starts, starts expanding. 16th and 17th century, porcelain becomes a big thing. Mm -hmm. Ceramics becomes a big thing. And somehow in all this trade and moving, you know, kind of spreading spreading the word west, the, the image of this guy, this little happy Buddha, future Buddha, that is, uh, that everyone knows and loves, just sort of, got picked up in the, into the West, and it became sort of like a souvenir. Yeah, like a spoon. If you're going to St. Louis, if you go to, like, like Beijing, you get a, a laughing Buddha instead. That's right. But that's how likable this guy was. Yeah, and to me, the most likable thing about mm -hmm. Buddhism, uh, period, is, you know, you, if you rub on the, the Buddha's belly for good luck, mm -hmm. that had nothing to do with them. And I thought, man— just a bunch of dumb white Westerners rubbing on this thing. It's probably sacrilegious, <laughs> but not to Buddhists. They're like, you know what? It's all good. Rub on that belly. Uh, I don't blame you. It's yeah. highly rubbable. Calling, call him laughing Buddha. We don't care. Yeah, it's fine. Because you know why? Because we're Buddhists. Yep. And we're not worried about stuff like that. Yeah. And then to button the whole thing up, the reason why you see him and why you can rub his belly at a restaurant is because he became the patron saint of restaurateurs and bartenders because of his association with contentment and fulfillment. Amazing. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I love it. And it's just, I really can't uh, stress enough how, like, what a charming, uh, welcoming thing that is for Buddhists to be like, you know what, any... Any quality that represents Buddha nature is great. Mm -hmm. It's all yeah. good with us. I think that's pretty cool. Very, very cool. Well, that's it. That's the Laughing Buddha. Now you can point that out to everybody the next time you go to a Chinese restaurant, and they will love you for it. Yeah, rub that belly. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can go onto our website, stuffyoushouldknow.com. You can check out our social links there. And then you can also send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. 